The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. It's hard to believe, but The Godfather is now celebrating its 50th anniversary. You know, director Francis Ford Coppola, who had co-written Patton, landed the coveted position of director of The Godfather after Ilya Kazan and Arthur Penn turned it down, but his job was still on shaky ground even after the cameras started to roll. I've got two of the film's stars, and the way they got to this movie was by taking very different paths. Later, Gianni Russo, who played the part of abusive husband Carlo, talks about how he got to the film, but my first guest is the legendary Talia Shire. Talia, welcome. And when your brother Francis was working on The Godfather, did he have you in mind for the for the coveted role of Connie? Oh, gosh. No. And no. in many ways, I don't think I really... I, I, honestly, I shouldn't have even been in that movie. I auditioned many times, and I was told to forget about it, and I had one last audition uh, in New York City. And I'll tell you why I shouldn't have been in that movie, really. My brother's job as director was not secure at the time. So the last thing you need is your sister, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) But Well, it, it, it was tough because I, although I had a training and I went to drama school, I have to tell you, movies were still new for me. And in one of my scenes, I have, I walked right into the camera and knocked it over. I heard about that scene, and I, I also heard that at the time, and he was kind of known for this, Marlon Brando sort of came to your rescue after that happened. Oh, what a, ge- what a generous actor. What a generous actor. Yes, I walked into the camera. I knocked it down. By the way, I always knock over cameras. That's the thing I do. <laughs> camera. In Rad, I knocked over the camera. But nice. He came to he he did come to my rescue. He was wonderful. He knew I was he knew I was afraid, uh, and he came to me. He hugged me, and then we all went back to work. Your acting teacher Stella Adler did she offer up some advice on on how to work with Marlon Brando and maybe ease your mind a little bit? You know, she was uh, uh, his his teacher. His me- people don't realize this. They think he had many teachers, but it was always Stella Adler. Yeah. She was my teacher, and uh, I did call her up. I was, look, you know, I had stage fright, and she said something interesting to me. It wasn't about Mar- Marlon, but it's obviously the way Marlon uh, works. Uh, and she said, remember, your partner is yourself. Isn't that interesting? Your partner is yourself. Yeah. And I guess you could feel that with Marlon. When he worked with you, you were part of the scene. He wasn't trying to outdo you. He was truly dancing with you. You talk about that stage fright, and that certainly seemed to be something that played to your advantage uh, in, in the Rocky films. My, my shyness? Yeah, yeah the, the shyness, that type of personality. And I'm still, I mean, I'm still very shy. So even talking with you on the phone, I'm a little nervous to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, yes. I, you're, you're nervous. <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> you, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, really? Um, well, no, I think shyness for me um, 
I, and shyness is interesting. Part of it is great sensitivity, empathy. You do feel the other. And also vanity, I have to tell you, and insecurity. And they all kind of mix together. But uh, And I'm still very shy. You know, I don't even think I can. Auditions were a nightmare for me. Absolutely t- terrible. But uh, And I still don't audition so hot. So anyway, I've heard many actors say the same thing. You know, you you've had amazing mentors in your years like uh, Barbara Stanwyck and, and, and Burgess Meredith, to name a couple. Do you find yourself now in that role with younger actors being their mentor? Yes, it's very important for me to be in that role. Actually, I enjoy uh, low budget movies, frankly, because it's an opportunity for me to deal with the passion of young people who have come to work, and not for a lot of money. And I feel that it's important for me to say, hey, you remember Barbara Stanwyck? Well, guess, guess what? Here's what she taught me. Oh, Burgess Meredith? Here's what he taught me. Because movies acting is a doing thing, and we have to pass it on. Ray, Ray Walston, in, honestly, in Rad, was generous that way. He came to me. He was sharing. You know, he was a great Broadway actor as well. He, he was the star of Damn Yankees. So he was part of that whole tradition. And he did. He was generous. He, he passed things on. That's how we learn uh, in theater and in film. We pass it on because it's a doing thing. My next Godfather cast member is Gianni Russo, who would play Talia Shire's husband, Carlo, in The Godfather. His path was incredibly interesting, including getting to know Frank Sinatra and run-ins with real mob types here in Las Vegas. Johnny, welcome, and we miss you here in Vegas. Yeah, I miss it. Yeah, I was there 30 years. you believe that? I got there in 59 and left in 89, man. I didn't move here till 1990, and so I was not aware of the fact that you had that club on, what was it, State Street? Street? Yeah. Yeah, that was a great club, man. Well, prior to that, Tiffany's at the Tropicana Hotel. How did you get to Vegas? Were you a singer? How did that come no, about? No, I, I, was, I was a messenger for Frank Costello, who had uh, interest in the Sands Hotel and the Tropicana. And then when they opened Caesars, that was another haunt of mine. And uh, basically, that's all I was doing, was running messages back and forth to Chicago and um, New York. I became a singer in my own club which is interesting. Sinatra was my singing teacher. I heard about that, that you had gotten a singing lesson from Sinatra that was pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went through it. He said, anytime you want to get a singing lesson, you're in Palm Springs, come over. So I called and made an appointment. And when I arrived, he tells me, uh, did you bring a bathing suit? I said, I didn't come here to swim. I came here to sing. Yeah. He said, go in the cabana and get a bathing suit. So I put a bathing suit on. And we go out to the pool, and he said, submerge your, hold your breath as long as you can, and submerge yourself in the pool. I said, what's this about? He said, just do what I'm telling you. And I did it, and only to prove to him that what he was saying to me, what Tommy Dorsey told him, you need to build your lungs up for your breathing to sustain notes. So the whole thing was to get my diaphragm expand, expanded before I could, he'd give me a lesson. And I'll that's inc- worked. <laughs> that's incredible. What what year do you think that was? Oh my God, that was. I'll tell you exactly when it was. That was in 1969. Wow. So he was still in fine voice and and uh, oh my God, pro- yeah. probably the best voice of all time. Right. 
Well, by the way, congratulations on your memoir, Hollywood Godfather. To me, the book seems almost too incredible to believe. Has Have people said that to you, that it's just an amazing compilation of stories? Well, I mean, yeah, but you know, when you start to think about it, it's a, it's a 75-year compilation, and I've never stopped. Right. I work every day. So with, with that, I mean, it is it's an unheard of. You know, I got to know six presidents, three popes, tra- you know, travel the world had confrontations with uh, Pablo Escobar, Saddam Hussein. It's it's crazy my life. Thank God. I mean, here and now I'm gracious enough to be invited by the Mob Museum. I love it. I'll be there April 16th. Have you been to the Mob Museum? No, and I knew when Oscar Gooden was trying to do it in a different location years ago, and thank God that he, he spearheaded that and kept... I mean, I hear so many great things about it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's a beautiful building, you know, the former city hall. It's it's just gorgeous in there, and they did such a great job with it. So people probably might know you best as Carlo from The Godfather. How did that role come to you? How did you hear about the auditions for this? Well, I heard about the auditions long before I got involved with it, but my ego, which I still have a tremendous ego, I always wanted to be an actor. <laughs> yeah. And this was a great opportunity for me because I had someone read me the book, and I knew I could play Carlo Michael or Sonny because I've been around the mob all my life. I was born on Mulberry Street and knew Carlo Gambino personally. And I've seen this kind of living. And that's the era they were in. You know, it was late 50s and 60s and, and the 40s, which I was born in 43. So with all that said, I knew I could do this part. And they had a problem with the Colombo family in getting the locations in New York and the unions. So I approached both parties, Paramount and Joe Colombo, and made the deal. And my reward was either play Michael, Sonny, or Carlo. And obviously I played Carlo. <laughs> so everybody did, was happy. <laughs> did you also audition for the part of Michael? I, 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 well, it's so interesting. I did, I did a test at Channel 5 on Boulder Highway. I played Michael, Sonny, and Carlo. While I was in Vegas, I owned jewelry stores. <laughs> I was doing my own commercials. So I used that camera crew, and that camera crew changed my life. Here I am 50 years later talking about a movie that became a classic. You mentioned it. You said not everyone was happy about it. I know that Marlon Brando was not so impressed with you initially, right? Oh, yeah, that happened at the rehearsal. Because even on the, they said, do not approach Marlon Brando, do not have eye contact with him. So we had our first break, and he comes to me. So I figured, I'm not doing anything wrong. And he said to me, you're a, a big TV actor. I said, no. He said, you got a big movie coming out. I said, no. Said, well, you're not on Broadway. I know everybody on Broadway. I said, you're right. He said, who'd you study with? I said, study what? And that's when he called Coppola over. And he said, this guy's got to be a great actor. You know, he, he undermines my family. He broke down the whole script in front of me. Then I realized how important my role was. And I'm saying to myself, this guy's trying to get, get rid of me. And I just had a big party, and nobody could believe I was going to movie anyway. And I'm saying, if this guy gets me fired, I'll never be able to go back to the neighborhood. Nobody will trust me. <laughs> and so I called. I got. I told. I didn't know protocol on the set, so I dismissed the director. You can't do that. So I dismissed the director, and I put my arm around Brando, and I walked him at an earshot of everybody else. I don't want to embarrass the guy, and I got nose to nose with him. I said, let me just tell you something, Mr. Brando. You screwed us up for me. You know what I'm telling you? I will suck on your heart. I will hear you here right now. And he looked at me, and he stepped back. He said, that was brilliant. 
He thought I was acting. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he was my friend till the last of his life. I was his friend till he died. And I'm hearing about the, the, you know, one of the most famous scenes in the movie, the wedding scene. He actually did this mooning thing as a prank. Yeah, they, they, they started this, you know, uh, Robert Duvall and Jimmy Carm. They, they had this thing where they're mooning and who could moon the most people at one time. <laughs> so he won, obviously. We had 700 people there. And he dropped his pants at the wedding scene. I, I mean, I felt bad for all the little kids that were up in front to see this old man's ass. But I mean, <laughs> he's crazy. And probably a few other things, right? Yeah, hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, the most famous scene that you were in in the film is where you're taking that beating from James Kant's character, Sonny. It looked real. How real was it? Well, it got really real, and uh, Jimmy, with the garbage pail covers, chipped my elbow, and then when he got out of the car, he threw that bat at me, hit me in the head, so I had a lump on my head. But the last part of that scene, when I had to crawl out from underneath the, where the garbage pails were, and he drop kicks me, and we choreographed it, and I never got hurt through the whole rehearsal, the whole, whole day. And then Jimmy got out of order, and he lifted me up when he drop kicked me and broke two ribs. And I said to myself, wow, this business is tough. I'm not doing fight scenes anymore. <laughs> and how did he feel about that after he actually did kind of nick you up a oh, little bit? Oh, he didn't bit? care. He, he, yeah. Jimmy Conn's a strange guy, man. Yeah. He, th he really thinks he's Sonny Corleone. That's what's so funny. I know that there's a connection between you and John Gotti and Pablo Escobar. Can you tell me about that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I had a problem in my club in Vegas where I, I, I killed one of Pablo's guys in self-defense. He already stabbed one of my customers, a woman, and then he stabbed me, and I, I shot him. And, you know, because uh, fortunately Ralph Lamb gave me my gun permit many years before that. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so with that said, I had to go see John, and John didn't like me to begin with, because if it ain't about John, it's not about anybody. But he arranged me for me to go see Pablo, and... Uh, thinking I'd never come back, and obviously I'm here, so I did come back, and um, strained it out, because they were going to kill all my family first. They were Marielitos. That's what they do. It's amazing to me, too, because if memory serves, did you not go on Victoria Gotti's reality show? That was my record company. My record was just coming out, and they said, let's do her show, and they're going to play it. I said, I don't want to do that show, and I don't want anybody <laughs> to think I was after Victoria Gotti and forget yeah. about it. So it was a record promotion, which I'm sorry I did. Johnny's bio is really a great read. He certainly lived the part for quite a few years, and The Godfather has certainly stood the test of time as a masterpiece and the greatest mobster film of all time. By the way, did you know that the horse head discovered in the bed of the ruthless movie producer, it wasn't a prop. It was a real horse's head from a dog food plant in New Jersey. Yikes. That finishes up this look back at The Godfather, now 50 years old, with my guests Talia Shire and Johnny Russo. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. When you dance down the street with a cloud at your feet, you're in love.